Welcome to the Northbound Wealth Podcast. All opinions expressed by me, my co-hosts, or my guests are solely our own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Northbound Wealth Management. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended as personalized recommendations or fiduciary advice. It is not intended to provide and should not be relied upon for any investment, accounting, legal, and tax advice, or as a solicitation to offer or buy any securities. Clients of Northbound Wealth Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Brent Foster, founder and CEO of Northbound Wealth Management. And this is the Weekly Market Insights. Been doing this for a while. This is our 58th episode. Um, And not the same number of weeks, but pretty close. November 6, 2023. I did take about a week and a half off there. Uh, While there was some stuff going on, I, I was working through it. Uh, stocks ripped higher last week on a dramatic retreat in bond yields triggered by easing inflation and a slowing labor market. That's the headline this week. Stocks rise, jobs cool. So the Dow Jones Industrial Average jumped 5.07%, while the S&P 500 surged 5.85%. The NASDAQ Composite Index rocketed 6.61% higher for the week. The MSCI EFA index, which tracks developed overseas stock markets, gained 3.12%. So what does that mean for the Dow? The Dow closed at 34,061, 2.76% year to date. The NASDAQ closed at 13,478. That's up 28.78% on the year. MSCI EFA index closed a little above 2,000. That's up 3.20% for the year. S&P 500 closed at 4,358. That's up 13.51% for the year. 10-year treasury note closed at 4.57%. That's the story. I mean, the the, the 10-year got to 5% and then really pulled back off of that um, boosting stocks, actually. So uh, pay attention to the bond market, pay attention to the Fed, and you'll get an idea of how stocks are going to be doing. So stocks rise. They They jumped higher right after the start of the week, shaking off the prior week's sell-off, the combination on Wednesday of the Fed's decision to keep rates unchanged, which accompanied dovish comments from Fed Chair Powell and reassuring Treasury announcement on future bond sales, sparked a third straight day of gains. Slight employment gains and weak manufacturing data provided additional impetus. The rally continued on Thursday following a sharp drop in bond yields that was driven in part by substantial productivity gains and decelerating wage growth. When Friday's monthly employment report was lighter than forecast, yields pulled back further and stocks added to their week's gains. So last week's employment data showed potential for a cooling labor market after many months of confounding economists' expectations. Um, The first sign was lower than expected growth in new private sector jobs in October, as reported by ADP, which showed a gain of 113,000 new jobs versus a forecast of 130,000, while job openings were little changed. Initial and continuing jobless claims also rose, exceeding consensus estimates. On Friday, the government's monthly employment report further confirmed a potentially cooling employment picture showing October slowdown in hiring, which was 150,000 new jobs versus September's revised gain of 297,000 jobs and an uptick in the unemployment rate to 3.9%. So this week, key economic data, jobless claims, consumer sentiment. We'll be looking at that. And notable companies reporting earnings. There's been a slew of them over the last couple of weeks. 
It got awfully busy. Tuesday, DR Horton, Gilead Sciences, Air Products and Chemicals. Wednesday, Occidental Petroleum and the Walt Disney Company. Thursday, Becton Dixon and Company. Tax tip of the week. Is it time for a paycheck checkup? There's no better time to check your withholding status and make sure your paycheck actually and accurately reflects the taxes you should be paying. These paycheck checkups are a great practice when something happens in your life that may change your tax status, such as getting married or getting divorced or having a baby, getting a new job or getting a raise or a promotion at work. You can also adjust your withholding status if you want to change your withholdings due to other circumstances. During your paycheck checkup, you can also check other factors such as how much you contribute to your health insurance or 401k. These expenses can also impact your tax liability. Uh, This information is not intended to be a substitute for specific individualized tax advice. We suggest you discuss your specific tax issues with a qualified tax professional. And this tip was adapted from irs.gov. So uh, another thing that uh, I want to note is this is like an open window period for uh, Medicare signups if you're at that age. And then also for your 401k contributions and allocations. So it's a good time to start reviewing uh, how you did this year, how you're going to do next year and kind of think about, you know, are you on track? And if you need some help with the, the, whether it's the amount of your contribution from your paycheck or about how your investment performance is doing and where you should be allocated in the coming year. So if you have any questions about any of that, give us a call at Northbound Wealth Management, 317-399-1107. Stay tuned for the next segment. Hey everyone, this week's uh, technical analysis spotlight. I haven't done one of these in a while, but um, but I think it's due. I think we're we're due for a review of how the markets um, are trading and where they're at. So let's first discover the S and P five hundred or the SPX ticker symbol. So S and P five hundred, largest five hundred companies in the United States. Everybody's heard of the Magnificent Seven, so the seven largest stocks, uh, mostly Fang Plus and the couples. So um, those are the big tech companies that really carry the the weight in the cap weighted index, is which is what the S and P five hundred is. Um, and so when you have movement in those large names that are the higher percentage or weight of the index, then it moves the whole index. A rising tide lifts all boats. So I'm hoping that the the Magnificent Seven come back and then we get a rising of all the other uh, companies, the other four, whatever, 490, I guess, 493. Hopefully they can do something. So first of all, there's uh, an analysis that you can do whenever the market's in in a downtrend. After the head and shoulders pattern that we had over the course of the summer months and then having that confirmation happen, we did get a sell-off and uh, we had uh, to do some analysis on what the downside targets look like for the S&P 500. And I kind of did some of that and um, came across some articles out there on stockcharts.com. And uh, I'm a subscriber there. I really enjoyed David Keller's work on that. Um, Watched a couple videos of his and he's got quite the platform over there. And he does a great job, I think, communicating complex things to uh, the novice and to uh, non-professional traders where it makes sense. 
And uh, also, though, he has guests on that talk about um, higher level technical analysis. So a lot of them are certified market technicians, um, and they do a great job at uh, communicating a lot of different variables in the market. Uh, One of them being when we talk about the S&P 500, I've got a chart up. I've got a daily chart, weekly chart, and uh, definitely want to take a look at where it's trading currently. As of today, it looks like the that the S&P 500 actually regained the 50-day moving average uh, by closing uh, or nearly closing out at 43.65 and change, 4,365. Now, just, uh, just the other day at the end of October, we were trading down around 4,100, maybe a little bit below 4,100. And uh, we had, what a move, what an impulse, substantial move back up. Uh, passed back through and passed the 200-day moving average, otherwise known as the 40-week moving average at around 42.49, so 4,249. The key level of support was the 4,200 level. And when that broke, man, you know, we're trading below the 200-day moving average. And uh, there's some famous quotes out there, nothing good happens underneath the, under the 200-day moving average. But then we got a really big impulse back up uh, to snap back and break that and and recapture the 50-day moving average. So um, it remains to be seen if we're going to go back down and retest that 4,200 level to validate it, that would be very interesting. But a lot of firms and a lot of uh, uh, professional traders out there are looking at certain confluence levels of support, uh, doing Fibonacci retracements to try to get uh, an understanding around where those uh, the trading trading de- or downside targets might be. And, and the, also on the other side of that, where are the upside targets? Did we actually have a bottom uh, at the end of October? Um, that might be confirmed and we don't know. We don't know just yet. So um, downside targets, 4,200 broke. The first downside target was 4,050. Uh, the second... 3920, the third 3800, and the fourth 3500. Uh, th- those were David Keller's uh, initial downside targets. I communicated back to him that mine were fairly close within about 100 to 150 points of each one of those. Um, JP Morgan has said that they think that we'll get a retest of 3500. I mean, that's pretty substantial uh, drawdown um, uh, to have to go back down there. But that would put us back around, oh, the March lows of, uh, well, 3,800 would be around the March lows of 2023. So um, we'll see if that actually happens. The uh, first downside target at 4,050 would be about a 50% retracement from the October 2022 lows to the July 2023 highs kind of retracing that move that we had uh, for 2023. The the second downside target, the 3920, is around the 61.8% Fibonacci retracement um, of that uh, same confluence move or uh, October 2022 to July 2023, which would be a high. So we'll see what happens. Uh, And the downside target number three is 3,800. Um, let's see where we end up. Uh, hard to tell. There's a lot of, uh, things that we could point to, to validate or justify 
that. But uh, markets are all about a discounting mechanism looking forward. And so if the Fed pauses interest rates, uh, which they're doing and and don't continue to raise and they, you know, Goldman and a bunch of other firms are saying they'll start lowering rates second half of next year uh, because, uh, you know, we're going to be uh, in a liquidity crunch, kind of a tightening cycle still because of a percent a persistent inflation, keeping rates high. Uh, as soon as they start lowering rates or sniff that out, the market's going to rip. Um We'll see what happens. Okay, so the S&P 500 is trading at 43.65 above the 50-day as of today. That could change tomorrow. Um, it could fail breakout uh, from that uh, overhead resistance right at 4,400. That's overhead resistance right now, 4,400. Uh, if we don't break out above that in the coming trading days, then we're likely to roll back over and go back down and retest 4,200. We'll see. We'll see what happens. So we got strike one on the books here. And I just want to make this point that 3,800 is that long-term trend line that still is bullish. If we're bouncing off of that and that becomes a support level uh, for this uh, test to the downside, then um, we still have a long-term uptrend in play. So it's pretty bullish at that point. So we'll have to look at asset allocations and where people are, are sitting in cash and treasuries earning five, five and a quarter, five and a half percent. And if the Fed starts lowering rates and uh, you'd have to extend duration to capture or lock in that higher interest for longer. But uh, there's this thing that the market is talking about and traders are talking about this roll off risk. So you, you buy something now in six to eight, 10 months or 12 months from now it rolls off, then what are you re-upping at? Are you re-upping that bond at a lower interest rate or are you re-upping that bond at a higher interest rate? Um, Where's the stock market trading at at that point when uh, those treasuries roll off? Is it down? Is it up? You know, where is it in the trading ranges in the trend line? So we're really tracking that process. So um, if you have any questions about it, give us a call, Northbound Wealth Management, 317-399-1107, or shoot us an email at info at northboundwealth.com. Thanks. Stay tuned for the next segment. No one likes taxes, and I don't think everyone knows that their taxes may change if the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 sunsets on December 31st, 2025. So passed in 2017, the TCJA lowered most individual income tax rates. For example, the top marginal rate went from 39.6 to 37%. It also increased the standard deduction from $12,400 for a single filer uh, and $24,800 for married filers from 6,500 single and $9,550 married under the prior code. What's scheduled to change according to the tax foundation? Good question. The tax rates for individuals and married couples that were reduced in 2017 may revert to their values in 2016, thus after uh, December 31st, 2025. The 37% rate is scheduled to revert to 39 
0.6%. The 24% rate is scheduled to revert to 28%. The 22% rate is scheduled to revert to 25%. And the 12% rate is scheduled to revert to 15%. Preparing your taxes can be complex and accidental errors can be easy to make. Remember, even if you're working with a tax professional, you are responsible for correctly filing your financial details. You can check out this information and more on my website at www.northboundwealth.com. Stay tuned for the next segment. Hey everyone, my financial Friday tip is about the various ways in which to manage your estate. Many people are familiar with revocable trusts, but fewer understand the potential value of an irrevocable life insurance trust or an islet. An islet is designed to keep the death benefit of your life insurance policy out of your taxable estate. It can help individuals who anticipate their estate exceeding the lifetime exemption limit, but it may not be appropriate for everyone. Remember, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act of 2017 raise the gift and estate tax exemption with the amount for 2023 reaching 12.92 million per person. However, these provisions are set to expire on December 31st, 2025, and the exemption will be reset back down to 6 to 7 million in 2026. For taxpayers with an estimated estate value approaching or exceeding the anticipated exemption for 2026, the time to explore opportunities is now. Consider speaking with a financial professional about ideas that may help. Remember, the cost and availability of life insurance are affected by factors such as age, health, and insurance type and amount. Policies also incur expenses, which, such as mortality and other charges. Surrendering early may result in surrender charges and tax implications. Consider insurability before implementing a life insurance strategy. Policy guarantees depend on the ability of the insurance company to make a claim payments. Also, before moving forward with the trust, consider working with a professional who is familiar with the rules and regulations of a trust. I'm curious, are you familiar with ILETs? Check us out at Northbound Wealth Management and call us if you have any questions. Stay tuned for the next segment. So check this out. This blows my mind. In September, so just not even two months ago, the one-year T-bill or treasury bill was yielding plus 1.2% more or more than the 10-year treasury. That's straight up mind-blowing. The St. Louis Fed reports that short-term and long-term treasuries started to invert in July of 2022. And as of September of 2023, the one-year treasury had a yield of 5.42% compared to 4.25% for the 10-year. CNBC's one-year treasury chart shows that the last time treasury surpassed 5% was back in early 2000. Holy cow, 23 years ago. As the accompanying chart shows, rates in September were higher for shorter duration treasuries, the six-month, three-month, and one-month. Exactly. We've been buying a lot of those. If you're looking for short-term investment ideas, this chart can help shed some light on the yields offered by treasury bills ranging from four weeks to 52 weeks. So you can check us out at www.northboundwealth.com. Sign up for a blog, follow us, like, and subscribe on our podcast, the Northbound Wealth Podcast, Weekly Market Insights with your host, Brent Foster. Go ahead and do that. Support us. 
but check out our charts, information. We're all about education here. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us at 317-399-1107. That's it for this week. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye-bye.